Hey, and welcome to the podcast where we talk about creating experimental art in trauma-informed and sustainable ways that support artists, our communities, and our organization as a whole. I'm your host, Micah, and you're listening to Any Other Anythings. Um, welcome world uh, to another episode of Any Other Anythings with Grey Fox Collective. Uh, I am Micah, uh, the host for today, and I'm here with good old Ray. Uh, Ray, we've been, uh, we've collaborated before, and I am excited to just kind of, you know, converse, hang out, talk, catch up. I know it's been a minute. We're on opposite sides of the country right now. Granted, I'm in a different country, so uh, that's neither here nor there, but um, it's really good to, to be in touch again, um, and I'm super excited to, to chat. How are you feeling? How are you? Hey, um, yeah, it's a nice day over here in Cali, um, repping the West Coast. Um, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. You know, this is one of my first of what I hope to be many um, collaborations in podcasting and in radio, and yes, I am very excited that we are back sharing the same space, especially up underneath the rainbow um, umbrella of Graybox and all that we have to offer. Um, so I'm excited. I'm excited of this new journey um, that I'm going to be taking beyond just this interview as far as working with you in future projects on the podcast. So I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. Thank you. Yeah, no, no problem. Honestly, it's it's great. Um, I, I really have always loved your energy. Um, I'm a little jealous here in California. I uh, my my dream place to kind of settle down and retire in has always been San Diego. What part are you in? Yes, I was I was about to interject, and I don't want to be rude and let my ADH interject <laughs> you, but I sure was going to say, "Don't bring your ass to California. Don't do it." <laughs> but 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 I will say San Diego, yes, because that's always been my dream as well. It's it's expensive, but now with um, inflation on the rise everywhere. It's actually not any more expensive than any place else in California. Mm. Um, I would suggest among, um, against LA. LA yeah. right now is not um, a safe place. Um, it's, a, it's a place of um, um, for the people that can live upon a certain means, I can see how they could live above the rest of the drama that's going on. But for the median people, the main earners that are kind of more blue collar or maybe even stuck where I come up on low um, income. Um, it's, it's not a welcoming place for, for those of us in that price category right now. So LA mm. is not the place to be, even though I love the culture. I come here to visit. I actually am living here temporarily. I'm about to leave San Diego. I've been there before. I've shopped there before. Absolutely. So I'm actually working my way down towards San Diego. I'll be moving about an hour away from San Diego when I move in a, in about a month or so. That's awesome. That's awesome. I love that. I love that. And so, yeah, I guess you're kind of really in a season of change uh, right now, which is always exciting. I know it's funny. Uh, there's always sometimes 
uh, a human tendency to be hesitant or resistant towards change. Um, but it's also something that I feel like we're constantly seeking as a species, which is uh, also interesting, <laughs> just that Absolutely. duality of man. Um, but I, I'm kind of curious. I know uh, you're you're making some shifts. You're talking about like maybe pursuing radio and um, uh, kind of exploring more of your artistic self. Um, so I am curious, like, uh, how how is it? How is your current process of sustaining yourself as an artist? Like, what is that looking for for you? Um, like right now? Well, luckily, um, if I'm understanding the, the whole context of the question, right, so I'm going to hit it in a couple of different uh, directions. Luckily for me right now, I'm medically retired. I worked my ass off um, in the regular world for many, many years, um, trying to beat the statistic status quo. I grew up in foster care. I didn't really have a family base. So once I turned 18, I listed in the Corps. I went to school. I did all this stuff to educate myself and work for the government. I was a foster parent for almost 15 years. So I handled the adulting stuff all in the beginning of my life, including, <clears throat> excuse me, raising my two kids or whatever mm. involvement I had with them. And my youngest finally turned 18 a couple of years ago in 2018, and she enlisted in the Corps. My son is 33, and now she's 22. Um, I am a full-time artist right now um, because of the fact that um, I'm medically retired. So, of course, I get medical benefits to stay at home. And it just so happened that the artistic um, development of presentation also shifted with the pandemic and with COVID. Mm. Everybody's doing it artistically at home. Whereas all growing up, I doubted my abilities to sustain myself as an artist because I am also not only am I diagnosed as autistic, which affects my social skills and me wanting to be a part of the greater big arts world with all these people that think differently than I do, but I'm also mm. avo avoidant. So um, I have a hard time with social skills. And that was a big block on me pursuing my artistry as a youngster. That's why I went into um, psychology and corrections and foster care just kind of gave up. But mm. when the pandemic came, everybody went virtual. And I was like, oh, my goodness. It was like my inner spirit said, bitch, this is your chance. And I kind of took that. My kids moved out. They live in different states. And I started with my very, my very, I just wanted a taste. I just wanted to see, I mean, because I went to school, I studied years of performance arts, even through college. I just couldn't get a degree in it or go to school, like um, to a um, performing arts school. So I just wanted to see if I still had it. And my very first audition was Graybox. It wasn't just with Graybox. It was on a panel with five other directors and Molly and Lizbeth, chose me out of the others and literally my first audition has now landed me a full-time career a part of the collective and I started running I, I went I mean to, to land three directors and four roles in one audition that day it changed my life because I didn't have confidence I didn't have self-belief I don't have family I didn't have anybody pouring into me and I even had kids like you're crazy your time is over so to do it at 46 Actually, I was 45 when I first auditioned and to land four of them scared me. I was like, well, holy shit, who do I think I am then? Maybe I, I can do this. And, and I just started running, taking classes. So full time is what I do. So I started instantly developing my presence on social media because it's all virtual. 
um, it, I'm one of the older, I'm a Gen Xer, I believe, that because of autism and how it kind of locks me into a youthful state of mind, um, I didn't have a problem with transitioning into what the youth are into now, which is digital and virtual platforms. It, it, I love video games. I'm a nerd, you know, autistic, weird science kid from the hood. That's me. Literally cuss you out, but I want to go home and watch, you know, um, Sesame Street and shows about science. So to grow up and to be the same um, person because due to autistic traits, I'm literally the same person I was at 20. So sustaining myself as an artist full time, all it meant really was learning how to navigate these virtual um, platforms um, using the fact that I fell in love and I got hired right away by my by my dream, my theater, and then building from there. It was all up from there. So sustaining myself, of course, I, I do live off the stipend I get as an artist, anything that anybody will bless me with. But my main resources now come from disability. So I live as a minimalist. I'm not out there eating and, and no, I don't need to. I'm, I'm very happy. I'm 48 on stage dancing and making art and creating virtually with people half my age. So sustaining myself as an artist right now is mostly just a, a frame of mind of ambition. Honestly, I love that. I absolutely love that. I kind of wanted to, to, well, firstly, I got to say, I totally resonate with uh, like coming from the hood. I am uh, from Mississippi myself. It's 80% black there. Like home is home. Um, and like, there's just, there's something about it. There's something about it that you just can't and won't ever shake, right? Um, and I love it. It's it's a part of our uh, our core identity. Um, and that's what I was going to say. It's an identity yeah. defier. Even at this age, people question. I'm huge about it on my social media because mm. people expected me to drop that part. And let mm. me tell you something. Hood life is something no one else can understand. It's a it's a part of intersectionality of why I am and my thought process and who I am as a person. So mm. I can't I can't mask that and not talk about it and not bring it into my artistry, regardless of whether it's viewed upon negatively or not. At the end of the day, it's where I'm from. Yep. Yep. Without a doubt, without a doubt. And I kind of wanted to kind of tap into another thing that you were mentioning about your identity. Um, I, I know you've expressed how you're an artist with autism. And I, I've wondered how, like, how, like, do you feel like you bring that experience i know that you're very candid you're very forthright about it um you're an advocate for the awareness of that community uh yourself uh, clearly included and i just wonder uh like how do you integrate that into your artistic practices um do you just create awareness do you try to build that into your creative process what is that like all of that total visibility i was very bullied severely growing up and i didn't get diagnosed until i was 46 and then it was like an aha moment because once you know who you are then you know why you move and why you operate and why you think a certain way and i've always understood that my creating process my art my the way i think about art has always been different from mainstream or from these set of people where i'm not accepted I've not landed auditions. I've not been accepted into film festivals before my diagnosis because of who I am and my and when I'm in person, um, my autistic traits are present a little bit more. And I was trying to mask that. And I, I just don't fit in because when I'm trying to mask it, now I'm awkward. Now I look awkward to anyone else because 
masking for me is covering up the fact that these sounds or these certain lights or that certain incident has affected my sensory output. And so me masking it now looks awkward. And as an artist, when I realized, holy shit, I just got diagnosed as autistic, I didn't even know my representation of autism was radio. And I think that's a movie from the 1980s. I can speak. I, I, can, I can drive. I love my five speed. I didn't understand. And I'm getting emotional because I didn't understand why people still saw me so different when I'm almost very much comparable to the people I grew up with in the hood. But they always noticed it different. And I'm like, well, I'm not radio. I knew then that there needed to be representation and visibility because that's the only black autistic person that I could even draw from when they, when they, when they diagnosed me with this. Not only the stipulation and the word autism and the whole diagnosis comes from um, white hetero America and that boys, young white boys were diagnosed and it wasn't even a female diagnosable thing until the 80s. I was born in 74. I come from a diagnosis a generation that totally flew past the diagnosis, A, because I'm female, and B, because I'm African-American, and then C, coming from hood life and foster care, who goes to the doctor's diagnosis, IEP at school, you better get up and go to school and just try not to fall asleep. Be happy and thankful for them school lunches that got me through the day because I wasn't often eaten at the foster care place where they were getting a check but wasn't feeding me. So let's keep it together that I decided since I've been an advocate for other things such as domestic violence and anti-bullying, I couldn't be an anti-bully advocate without people understanding why at 46, 47, and 48 do you still give a shit about bullying? Because you don't understand that even in the workplace today, because of my difference, if my autism is visible to them, then bitch is going to be visible to everybody. And that means me too. And that means me exercising my freedom to walk freely in the space of art with it because it is who I am. So instead of masking my art and trying to create from a space of a neurotypical person and then judge, like I, I belong to over a hundred artist groups right now on Facebook that won't take my platform. I decided to make my fucking own. I am my boss. I'm the first I will. I, I'm not sure I need to research this because I don't pat myself on the back. But I say as far as breaking generational curses, if I'm not the first, I plan to be one of the very um, most influential black autistic, black autistic writers, black autistic writers, black autistic filmmakers, black autistic artists and performers. You know why? Because they don't even hire actual autistic people for autistic worlds in neurotypical America. The, those roles are being played by regular people and they're playing disabilities. Bitch, I'm autistic. Hire me. It's me. I, I am the face. This is why I was bullied. So now you're going to eat it back. And you're going to get sick of me and I'm going to throw it down your throat. And every, the reason why I'm quirky, the reason why I don't speak right, the reason why I may not be able to get that left, right, left chain ball step palm array that I got kicked out of dance class for is because I'm autistic. But now I have a whole autistic audience waiting to see me dance, even with my mistakes. Mm, yeah, yeah. It's, it's about a representation of a whole community who's been silenced, whether we're black or not. It's the silencing of autistic people, period, that we don't belong in the artistry world. So I'm pretty much kicking down the motherfucking door. Rightfully so. Um, and I, I, I genuinely, I genuinely love, like, first off, the passion shows through. Like, it's very clear. And honestly, there's a lot of truth to what you said. Like, 
where is the line? For so long, we have lived in a very, uh, I don't, can't even like fully uh, <laughs> phrase this correctly, but like there's this sense of, or this idea of normal that has been just kind of perpetuated across the board. Um, uh, and that's from, you know, <laughs> things as rigid as business or things as fluid as arts, but still like there's this baseline that's been established of like, oh, you have to be at, at least at this threshold to be an artist or to be a successful business person on either end of the spectrum, which is baffling to me. Um, and yeah, it, it is it is uh, such such a sad and strange anomaly for um, you know these stories to be told about a community um, when that community is eager to be a part of this experience, um, Absolutely. especially in the artistic world. So um, I love that. I, I, I genuinely love that. Um, I'm going to kind of shift a little bit. I, I know you spoke really briefly at the beginning about how you were first introduced to, um, you know, Grey Boss Collective and um, uh, having all of those experiences sort of just kind of land in your lap at once uh with that with that experience which is such a blessing um i i'm i'm uh curious what was so that shift into full-time artist uh was there a specific show or experience once that ball started to roll that really has stuck with you um that you would maybe like to revisit or you think back fondly on like what what uh what part of that experience sticks out the most i guess well if I could, I'd like to put it in more of a genre um, mm -hmm. because when I did this audition, it's not the only one I landed. I actually landed a couple of roles in web series. I've mm -hmm. done some background work for regular um, web series that they were trying to get on platforms like Netflix and stuff like that. So TV shows and things like that. And when I was growing up, I always wanted to audition for reality TV, things like that. And um, this experience auditioning this time that just happened to um, have two panelists from the theater world changed my life because it sucked me in the theater. Now, I was exposed to theater as a youth and in college because that's theatrical performing arts. Um, also in choir, um, in church, we often do theatrical plays. I've been in a lot of church plays. So, but as an artist, I'm, gonna, I'm not gonna lie, I also was driven by what I mainly see in mainstream, which as a black artist, we wanna, which I also do rap, but we wanna rap, we wanna be musicians, we wanna be actors. And I thought that the experience or the lifestyle or even the recognition would come from that side. And coming in the door with theater changed my life because again, like we're speaking, um, I couldn't land auditions because I can't give direct eye contact. That's a trait of being autistic. So I was literally getting turned down for jobs in Hollywood for just being me, whereas theater doesn't give a fuck, you understand? So yeah. it, and, and I decided like, I'm a very loyal person. If theater was gonna be the one to accept all my diversities, that's where I'm gonna stay. And I'm gonna branch off of theater and I'm gonna grow because that means theater is inclusive. Whereas what you were just speaking on, it's, it's not inclusive in all other mainstream forms of um, artistry. So it changed my life in, this, in the aspect of me stopping um, chasing uh, auditions for other roles and focusing more on my role as a theatrical performer because I learned 
we do all of that. We act, we do radio, we do um, something that seems like a web series. You get the whole experience in, in, in theater, my bro. I can bring music into my theater, whereas the music world won't accept me because sometimes I stutter. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? You know what I'm saying? Or, or that I'm weird because I want to rap about science and evolution. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not glorifying the life I came from. I would never give up the life I came from. It's going to be with me always. Um, but that doesn't mean it's going to be every topic in my music. I want to explore everything else. I want to journey around the world. I want to taste different cultures. I want the experience that, unfortunately, coming out as an artist in some of the other genres um, kind of keeps you stifled. It keeps you set to that as a theatrical, bitch, that means theater. Whatever I do is what I could do, um, except for um, versus um, mainstream you, if you're a musician, you have to be a musician. And how many times have you seen a musician try to switch from musician to actor and their shit doesn't pop? It's really interesting that point that you brought up. I've, I've always had a love-hate relationship with labels in particular. It's so great to be like almost validated in a sense when you find a community that uh, that you are truly a part of. I remember like speaking specifically to like uh, your theater experiences one of the first shows that I did professionally uh, back in Phoenix, where I where I grew up, um, I was so excited to see a call that was literally exactly me. It was like um, African American kid, uh, twenty years old, um, wears glasses, has a European style like uh, fashion sense, and I was like, "That's literally me! Like that's a hundred percent me!" And I was so excited, and I was so pumped when I got the role. And it's like these are like labels, these are ideas, these are like stereotypes for lack of a better phrase but i was so excited to be a part of a community that was like hey i see you and i felt seen in that instance but on the flip side of that you have these preconceived notions of like oh you're a musician oh you're an actor so you need to stay in your lane and it's like you know or it's like when people do like exactly what you said try to make a shift into a different uh field of uh art or expression it's like who are we to limit what they want to explore or do um, in any semblance. Uh, it doesn't matter. But they're being again, more open to it now. Yeah, it's de yeah. they're, they're definitely allowing it more now than they did in my generation. There is mm. many careers that, that have failed from someone trying to hop from one artistry to the next from my generation. Yeah, yeah. I, I love how I'm seeing now these musicians can be influencers. They're coming out with cooking shows. They're coming mm -hmm. out. So theater, though, is where I could truly operate and be totally vulnerable even as myself with my disabilities yep and skip and be around all of those throw my cooking in throw my music in it, it gave me an umbrella of protection mm. and let me tell you let me piggyback off of that maybe that's the clarity you were looking for when i answered the last question what was it that got me i was on facebook and i actually just saw an open casting call and the script happened to be for an ab abandoned foster kid Mm. And my very first audition, I'm actually, um, that got me hired with the five panelists, including Graybox, was a, a, a short um, a short scene of me saying, I was abandoned, adopted, that they allowed me to take that small scene I auditioned with, and they turned it into my role into the show. I performed that same role over and over again. And it set to me that night on the theater stage. <clears throat> now, no, I'm not at Rolling Loud. 
no, I'm not on a BET stage with a thousand, but it's actually better because I have certain phobias and nobody's snapping cameras because in the theater, it's a little bit different and you got to be quiet. And so now the artist can come out in me and the words I'm saying are more true form to character of who I am. It's who I am. So if you're going to open the door and let me audition with a piece about my, about a disadvantaged kid, don't take it. You know, uh, some of these shows that they'll, that they'll highlight in other, I don't want to just keep calling on Hollywood because there's a lot of um, independent other film companies uh, that are mainstream that will film these things. And um, it's just about a script. It's, it's just about a script. Theater wants you to feel it. Theater wants you to be experienced. It's a, it's not just a, it's an experience. I, I, I'm sharing, even if I'm reading the story of someone else, oftentimes theater comes from the creation of true happened events or spoken words or experiences. So I'm still sharing and giving the passionate experience of an actual, of someone else. And I can take that and run with Now that I auditioned as a foster kid, the whole theater world knows that I'm a foster kid and that's okay. Whereas in other mainstreamers, they want you to play the role that they give you the play. And then you're going to get typecasted as that forever and probably never be able to land another job because we met you as this Disney kid or this so-and-so kid or this so-and-so kid. Whereas I think theater just brings together a homosification of artists to be from the, the background they're from, from the experiences they're from, with the disabilities and the disadvantages they have. And, and that's what makes our scripts. That's what we create off of. Without a doubt, without a doubt. So here's kind of a, a maybe a bit of a curveball question, but if you were like, speaking like hopefully some of somebody in our audience is um resonates with one of the communities that you know we're a part of whether it's the african-american community someone that's been through the foster system uh someone who is uh you know um navigating autism um i'm curious is there a word of advice uh from one artist to another that you would give uh that shared community um in their pursuits absolutely I come from several intersectionalized, marginalized communities of oppression, period. I identify with the African-American community, which is nothing but oppression. I identify with the LGBT community, which LGBTQIA plus community, which is uh, under the umbrella of oppression. Then I identify with the autistic community and the neurodivergent community. All of that, I say all of that to say, um, A, representation matters. And the only way we can fight oppression is through rebellion and representation. So I just said, fucking do it anyway. I literally had to develop an attitude of, I don't care. I'm going to do it anyway. Because if I listen to Black people, why are you in theater? That's a nerd position. Or just the general LGBT issues of, of being out um, because um, a lot of my theater experience happens to be with me and masculine women, women of masculine of center, and they want to stay hushed sometimes. Don't bring that out because the LGBT community, we don't want to, we don't want to stir no pot. And here I come with a big ass pot because I feel like we got to do it anyway. Nobody knew that walls could be broken down until somebody threw the first fucking brick. Hmm. You got to, you got to do it anyway. I have phobias. 
I do it anyway. I do whatever I have to do to get past my fears. I'm not doing this as a, a, a um, someone that doesn't have my own reservations. I'm doing this as someone despite my my reservations, my convictions and my fears. And that's the advice I would give to anyone else because I would have never even found out that I even had a chance had I not done that first audition. That people told me, give it up, you're a mom, da-da-da-da-da. But I did it anyway. And because I did it anyway, I landed five fucking roles. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. My biggest being bullied. Um, yeah. I'm a I'm a survivor of narcissistic abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, it totally strips your confidence. It, I, I have no confidence and yet I will get on social media with no clothes on. And my, and my motto is do it anyway. Do I, at that moment inside feel insecure? Probably fucking so. But, but I bet you 90% of the artists that go do on stage performances, Eminem who used to throw up before he would ever walk on stage, they do it anyway. And, and you have to be crazy. You have to do it anyway in order to break through and really become the artist you want to be, regardless if your artistry seems weird or different or controversial or rebel out of rebellion or out of healing. Do it anyway. You because if you don't, A, you're going to regret it. Don't regret it. The only way not to regret it is just to fucking do it, regardless to who tells you. You'll figure everything else out on the way. Uh, blessings fall in your lap. Do it anyway. Nothing comes to you if you don't step out there first, though. Absolutely love that. And I think there's so much, not, not I don't think, I know there's a lot of truth to, um, there's complete truth to exactly what you said, to do it in spite of, um, to push past, regardless of your given circumstances or how the world perceives you, because the world is always going to perceive you somehow, right? Um, I We think about every, like, standout event, artist, uh, individual experience that we've witnessed or heard of in the in our lives in general. And I think that common thread for all of those individuals yeah. is that they did something in spite of a no, in spite of this or that or whatever, like regardless of the, you know, oppression or the um resistance or the hesitation from the from others uh, let me tell you something let me tell you something my muse my Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. now i don't i don't get into idolization um but i definitely feel like representation matters and and let me tell you something so who would be my ultimate representation somebody like mary j blige who Mm. was who was illiterate could not read from the boogie down brocks project when she did it anyway and now look at who she is so when i think about that when i think about all of the oppression or or the different uh, look at how life beat her down um our insecurities are are just mostly mental and so a big i i'm a i'm huge on mental health and the way we combat mental health is to stop these false beliefs that it can't be done mary j blige did it She's from the same atmosphere that I met, and I actually have an advantage. I can read. She learned to read later on, but when she started and cut real love, the Mary J. Blige that I know, that child was on stage and on Soul Train with with absolutely no ability to read or write. That tells me that that that's why I said representation matters. I've been chasing my dream this long because if a black woman from the projects who could not read or write can become the mogul she is today. Then mm. so the so the fuck can I, 
do it anyway. Do I'm it 40. Anyway. I'm, I'm 48 years old, starting late in the game. Do it fucking anyway. I love it. I love it. And yeah, that's the thing, right? We think of all these great artists that we admire. We think about and we're like, oh, they're so lucky. It's no, it's not that they're lucky. They just pursued it uh, in spite of. Um, and I, I, I love that. I love that. Sweet. Oh, my goodness. That's honestly such a got me in such a good booth right now. Uh, <laughs> uh, I love it, Ray. I love it. Um, so, OK. I'm going to flip the script. I'm going to let you hit me. Do you have any other anythings, anything you want to say, anything you want to shameless plug, any other anythings that you want to bring to the stage? Um, uh, any other anythings? I would like to say uh, thank you. This was way comfortable. It made me feel much better. I didn't stutter as much. And you're totally right. I, I fight and I advocate for visibility, um, mm. disability visibility. So mm. I'm going to show up exactly who the fuck I am. Thank you for accepting me with that. Um, I guess a shameless plug would be I can't wait to to grow. Just know that um, it, especially if you have a spouse. Um, yes, I might become a junior stalker of yours, but I want nothing from you other than to develop my radio skills. Mm. So if I could be blessed to be able to sit up underneath you and to learn some shit, that would be my, my shameless plug. Definitely knowing that you are way ahead of me in the game of the radio. Um, and, uh, I, I just can't wait for future projects and to learn and hopefully not piss you off with being the blunt artistic that I am. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I'm ready to work and uh, I, I'd love to see what we can do and what we, we can create from here on out. Just thank I you for this it. opportunity. Yeah, no, this has been great. And you've done the opposite from piss me off. I don't think I've stopped smiling <laughs> this whole time. So we're feeling good. We're feeling great. Um, no, this has been a pleasure. It's been an honor. Um, thank you, listeners. Thank you, Ray. Uh, it's been a, another great episode of Any Other Anything. All right. Bye. Take care. Hey, listeners, thank you so much for taking the time and energy to listen to this episode of Any Other Anything. Uh, be sure to check out the show notes for links to find out more about the podcast, the speakers, and Graybox Collective. You can also go to grayboxcollective.com backslash podcast for a full transcript of this episode. Again, thanks so much for listening and take care of yourselves. Peace. <laughs>